True Tales from a Paranormal Researcher. Hi, I'm Neil Parks. I'm your host for Paranormally Speaking. This week, you'll be able to hear some creepy tales, stories, retellings, personal experiences, and things that I've shared both in my books, also on the big screen, on television, interviews, on podcasts, the news, and various other internet medium formats. So just sit back, pop some popcorn, and don't be too scared to join me next week for all new material. Thank you. Most bizarre thing I've ever encountered. One uh, would be uh, when I was a guest speaker at the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I told you, Randy. Uh, several years ago. I've, I've been a regular there, but I've taken some time off from it so I don't bore people. So this woman approaches me, and she seems to be distraught, and she's like she really needed to talk to me, but not around other people. So she pulls me off to the side, and she says to me, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I know I've been abducted over and over again since the age of nine. I'm like, okay, go ahead. I, I'm open ears. I hear stories like this all the time. And she said, no, you don't understand. They've abducted me within the last year and impregnated me. I said, really? And she says, yes. And I was carrying the child almost a full term. And then the light took me again. And when I came to, I was in the hospital. And they say I was never pregnant to begin with. But I have ultrasounds showing that I had a child in my stomach. I, I said, oh, okay, did you, you know, did some cult maybe take your baby or something? Or did a dingo get your baby? And she's, I didn't really say that. That would be rude. So she she went on to, to say that she keeps having visions of a child that she um, will never see or never have because it was taken from her by the higher beings. And that she encountered a child that she knew was hers, but it was aged seven years. But she lost it about a year ago. And I'm like, okay, so it aged rapidly, she said, because it's an alien-human hybrid. And she knows it's her child because it spoke to her telepathically. Oh, and no. said, Mommy, I'm here. I'm okay. Um, they need me. They need me. I have a higher calling. And I, I'm start, I'm sitting, I have to sit down at this point. I'm like, okay, because that was a lot to unload on a guy that That's writes ghost books and talks yeah. about Bigfoot and You're like, this is a great man. story. Are you like, yeah. yes. I was thinking, is it I hard to capitalize on is this? Is it hard? Like, do you have to, like, resist getting too caught up in the beginning? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you can end up like Alex Jones. You mentioned sure. him earlier. Yeah. And create your own crazy cult of conspiracies mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. Then the government has you on a watch list, which isn't fun. I've had my phones tapped, but that's a whole other story. And that whole experience, uh, on top of that, then I, there was another time at the Mid-Ohio Paranormal Convention in Dayton where these people approached me and said that men in black were following them. Uh, men in black had told them not to talk to me <laughs> and that they feel they have to share these images with me before the men in black take them because they've broken into their house and ransacked their house looking for these images. And it was just random images of really weird black lines and posts that just appear out of nowhere within a five-second shot. They're not there. And then within a five-second shot, they are there. So, I mean, these were just typical Polaroids and snapshots. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that could have been a Sharpie marker. You just gave me a quick glimpse of the image. Let me analyze the, the actual film. Let me look into this. Let me know more about the land where these pictures were taken. They were giving me minimal information. So there's a lot of kooks out there like that. Right. Too. Well, and then mental health. So, yeah, you're like mental health plus, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. woman really shook me to the core when she shared that information. So what, what, what came of, of that? Uh, she had been following me for a while, and uh, this was during the days of the merge between 
MySpace losing its popularity and Facebook becoming a, a gotcha. big thing in like mm-hmm. 2010, 2011 when MySpace died. And she had been following me heavily on uh, Facebook, which is one of the reasons I don't have my own Facebook anymore. Um, I have fan pages, but I don't have anything more than just that about myself on Facebook. Why? Because you are having people find you and, yeah. and come up to you with problems? Uh, that and uh, somehow getting my phone number because there was a time when Facebook would take the information you put in uh, that's supposed to be secure and right. they would have on their phone number and then I would be getting calls and texts right. and all hours of the night. Yeah. <gasps> I just heard something. <laughs> I need you to come over. <laughs> Demons wow. in my sock drawer. Yeah, I would get that a lot. Now, what is the, so? What would you say is like the the most definitive evidence that you've ever been a part of? Um, like most, where, where made you a believer one hundred and ten percent? It started with me at a very early age. Uh, what pushed me over the edge? I had always been aware of things, seen things, heard things, and I was told uh, by people close to me just to ignore it. Um, now you said like, like your mother or like your, your... yeah and uh, people at church and uh, so they didn't add, so your mother or, or your parents or whoever this is uh, didn't ever have any sort of beliefs like you have like where oh they do they do uh, and they would choose to ignore it as well and not feed it not give it attention but I went the exact opposite out of rebellion I guess You're like give it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ghostbusters more. in our era didn't help uh, either I'm sure Ghostbusters did not help I mean it, it, it's a great <laughs> film but it did not help to um, push that fire down i guess so what i kept encountering was a loved one that had died and died under mysterious circumstances we were told just from old age but it was something more depression related okay and i kept seeing them around the time of the anniversary of their death uh not in a peaceful manner but in a a manner of anguish and despair reaching out to me it was freaking me out as a five-year-old as a six-year-old seven-year-old this went on until i was about 11 or 12 around the same week that they died i would keep seeing them in and around the property that belonged to them and would they come up to you specifically because i knew that you could you would acknowledge them yeah they wouldn't speak it's almost as if they couldn't speak but i got a sense of despair and and want and longing from them some they needed help for something so at the age of 12 it just dawned on me because it works for me in my area and those around me believe and acknowledge Jesus as a savior. So it worked for us, mm-hmm. per se, religion-wise. And I prayed to God, take them wherever they need to go. They need you, they need to pass over, they need redemption, something. Save this soul. And this, the sighting stopped. I never saw this person again anymore in that state of being after that prayer was said. And it just it's almost like a light went off that I'm supposed to do that. Uh, this yeah. is what I need to do. And it just only became, I guess it's... Um, You're like a walking Ouija board? Like a spiritual gift, afraid. almost. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, monster.fandom.com That's monster.fandom.com There's a tire shop that rests on the outskirts of West 50, Western Avenue in Chillicothe, Ohio. It's the Weston Business District. There's an excessive amount of paranormal activity. There have been stories of people seeing phantom Shawnee warriors riding horseback. A ghostly girl and boy have been seen at this location by several eyewitnesses, and the sounds of footsteps, voices, and doors slamming. 
tires falling on their own, or rolling off a rack without anyone around them, have been reported. A story that was shared with me made the hair of my arms stand at attention. This encounter occurred about, at this point, nine years ago. A customer arrived after business hours with the intentions to drop off his vehicle for repairs. He parked near the front of the building and waited for his ride to pick him up. He was surveying the area and noticed that a decorative item inside the shop was moving in a circular motion. He thought to himself, perhaps someone is here. I could just leave my keys with them instead of the drop box. He walked to the front door, but soon realized it was locked. There were no lights on in the shop, and he didn't see anyone moving around in the back. Puzzled, he returned to his vehicle and continued to wait for his ride. A few minutes followed after he returned to his vehicle, and the decorative item that was inside the showroom began to spin again, and the bathroom light was turning on and off repeatedly. He was growing annoyed with the situation and decided to go back and see if anyone was hiding from him. He was planning to knock on the front door until whoever was playing this prank decided to stop. Much to his surprise, there on the floor of the showroom sat a small boy. According to his description, the boy was dressed in what looked like garb of a modern Amish kid. A small boy with a bowl-cut hairdo. He was wearing suspenders and an old-world button-down shirt. The boy's pants were dark gray. Everything about what this man was seeing rattled his nerves to the bone. The small boy appeared to be sitting on his legs, crossed over. The boy just sat there, staring at this display as it spiraled. The lights continued to go off and on as this boy remained motionless. The customer couldn't fathom what he was seeing. Where did this boy come from? Where are his parents? Were just some of the questions running through his mind during this encounter. He proceeded to step back away from the window without what felt like a second. The lights were off and the boy disappeared. The boy then instantly reappeared face to face with this frightened man. The way this man described the look of the boy left me speechless. In his words, he said, the boy showed his face to me. He went from sitting on the floor to standing at the window in a mere nanosecond. His mouth was gaping open, and his eyes, oh my God, his eyes, there were no eyes, only black, sunken sockets. He looked miserable. Upon having the life scared out of him, the customer ran from the window, got in his vehicle, and drove straight home. It would be three years after that point before he returned to this business. He later tracked me down at my day job and relayed this story to me. Now today, as I mentioned, we're going to be discussing the phenomenon of black-eyed children or children appearing with sunken sockets for eyes, total blackness, nothing. They're physical beings, but their eyes are black or it's just an empty socket. What is this anomaly? What is this phenomenon? Is it paranormal, supernatural, demonic? All three of those things relate to one another. But are these black-eyed children from our world, an alternate dimension, a hell dimension, the future, the past? Or is it something projected from our own subconscious? I'll dive deeper into this after we return from this message. Crop formations, or crop circles as they're commonly known as being called, 
Who's making them? Why are they making them? Where's the source coming from? Some believe that it's an ancient earthen technology that's been created by some mystical unseen force that science doesn't acknowledge nor will they even begin to understand or accept it that's creating these things from the ground up. Others say that it's some celestial being, a hybrid race, a highly technologically advanced race, creating these strange hieroglyphics mixed with geometric patterns. The interesting thing is when coming upon the site of a crop formation, I myself have been to several, when sampling the soil that is within the formation itself, you'll notice that there's a like a soot to it. It becomes almost ashen-like. But at the same time, there's metallic properties that are within the soil all of a sudden, as if it's been distorted, the molecules have been changed. Also, the crops that are within the formation are swollen and slumped over, as if heated. Something with extreme heat, a high level of radiation uh, that gives off a metallic residue uh, is causing these things. And this is not just the ones I've investigated. It's not your typical run-of-the-mill crop circle that some drunken hillbilly made with a 2 by 4 or they went out with four-wheelers and just ran all over the crops and, and made a symbol. And this isn't it at all. There are those instances where they've been faked. A circle can easily be faked if it's just that, a circle. But then you have these intricate designs and geometric patterns that would require you to have eyes from above in order to guide you and pinpoint you to where you need to put the crops or bend them or fold them. It would take entirely too many people, entirely too much time, and would easily be seen by anyone in the area when someone's trying to fake it like that to make it that extreme. It's just impossible. Now, the impossible thing, or those that can't fathom the reality that some higher celestial race is creating these things from a far-off distant area, or maybe they are coming close enough to us and they are cloaked and creating these things to try and communicate with us. And we're just not smart enough to know what the heck they're trying to say. And until we are smart enough to understand what they're trying to convey in these messages, then maybe we don't really pose a threat to them at all. And that's why they're toying with us. If we really posed a threat, then I'd say we'd be enslaved by a higher alien overlord at this point. But we're just, we're stupid sea monkeys to these beings, if this is the case. Oh, we're like a group of ants working in a colony. We pose zero threat to these beings, which is why they leave these little breadcrumbs of knowledge for us to hopefully figure out on our own. It's entirely possible. I'll leave you with this. I'm going to read an encounter I had in Peebles, Ohio in 2003 involving a crop formation and men in black. On Wednesday, October 8th, 2003, I took another chance at investigating another crop formation in Peebles, Ohio. My first attempt fell short of any research at all due to a failing battery and the fact that I was kindly escorted off the property by three men who claimed to be off-duty officers watching for acts of vandalism. During my second attempt, I brought my camcorder again, this time with a backup battery. 
When I arrived near the property, I pulled into the parking lot of the Serpent Mound Park. This is directly across from the formation. There wasn't a soul for miles, no vehicles of any type, no wind. The sky was clear that day, and there was no visible wildlife. I powered up my camcorder as I walked into the field. The second that I set foot within the formation, my camera went black. I began to feel the same static feeling and the ache in my jaw as I did during my visit to the formation in Bainbridge, Ohio. I was almost knocked to the ground by a powerful gust of wind. As it began to get colder, a voice shot out from behind me saying, You're going to need to come out of there now, please. I turned around with whip action to see a very tall, very pale man. He was well-built, wearing a state trooper uniform, without an ID badge, a hat, or a gun. He was wearing dark sunglasses. However, he just appeared out of thin air. There were no vehicles other than my own anywhere near either of us. It was almost as if he popped up out of the ground, fell from the sky, or teleported from an alternate dimension. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware that this was still a no-trespassing zone, I said to the officer. He replied, Turn off the camera. Come away from the field and get in your car, please. I was shocked that he was so calm and collected about the whole ordeal. Am I breaking any laws by being here? I'm just researching the area. Turn off the camera. Get in your car and go home. I will not report this if you comply, the officer replied. Finally, I walked out of the field and turned off my camcorder, as if it were really doing me any good with two failing batteries. I walked past the supposed officer, and all he did was stand in the same position that he had been standing in the entire time. His arms were folded, and his head turned to follow me as I walked by him. It was like walking past the Terminator. I got in my car and pulled out of the parking lot. There were still no other vehicles in sight. There was no way that he would have walked all the way from the police station. I drove past him and watched his movements in my rearview mirror. He turned around and walked directly into the field, then vanished into knee-high crops. I panicked. Where in the world could he have gone? I came to a screeching halt, and then I backed up my car to the same spot where he had been standing. Instantly on that very spot, my car died, and then it came back on after I attempted to start it. My digital meter display was showing all ease, no numbers, all of my radio stations had been reset, and my camera was working again. This time it displayed full power. My wristwatch was behind the time by five and a half minutes, and my cell phone was wiped clear. The man who was supposedly an officer was missing. There was no sign of him anywhere in that field. I took off without looking back. On the way home, I called the local police in the area and explained the entire event to their dispatcher. He listened and seemed very interested. He went on to tell me about an onslaught of calls that he had received about UFO sightings within the last 24 hours and people calling and claiming to see strange animals and other bizarre encounters in the area. He believed me and said that he knows for a fact that the area that I was in was not zoned off and I had every right to be there, seeing as how I had permission from the landowner. He knew that there would be no reason for one of his guys or a state trooper to be within that area at that time. He wondered if that guy might be some loon impersonating an officer. I'm left wondering if the individual that I encountered was not a being of this realm, 
but possibly from another realm entirely. When I was a... When I was a kid, I had... I was about 12 or 13 at the time. I had an unusual encounter. I was mowing the lawn. It was at dusk. And this was in mid-Ohio, or south-central Ohio, whatever you want to call it. But I was surrounded by pastures, cow fields, uh, farms. It was the back 40. This was like Bigfoot stomping ground where I lived. Oh, literally over the river and through the woods. Uh, so far off the beaten path that they never even mentioned us on the news when a storm was approaching or if there was a tornado watch. We were just kind of like, oh, we have to watch ourselves and they're not going to mention it on the radio. I was mowing the lawn at dusk. And this is when I was about 12. The summer before I turned 13. And I noticed this huge shadow go across the land in front of me. And I thought it was a cloud at first because the sun was setting. And I look up and noticed this giant floating triangle high above the hillside next to my house. And I could almost make out details in the bottom of this thing. Uh, looked almost, almost like rivets, pop rivets, or some kind of... It was a solid, shiny object. And... And it had this weird oscillating orb in the bottom of it that was like a translucent blue. And it just, like an electrical ball, just spun around inside itself, equal to that in like submersing a giant marble in, in water and watching it rotate and float around. It didn't appear to be any exhaust coming from it, no exhaust plumes, no sound. I let go of the mower. I stood for a while and watched. And this thing dropped what appeared to be three spiraling pods. And they spun around the full object once and then dropped out of sight onto the top of the hillside. And as I'm standing here watching this, I then see the giant craft, which was about the size of a football field, descend back into the sky and almost vanish like... Someone put a blanket over it, like, or like David Copperfield made it disappear. It was just, it was gone. So curiosity got the better of me because I'd always been a massive UFO enthusiast so, since a very early age. And you have to excuse me. This is the first time I've really gone public with this story because my wife likes to tease me and say that uh, truth is I discovered a moonshine still on the top of the hill near where I lived, and I was molested by hillbillies. And it's a story that I created to convince myself that I was not molested by hillbillies. That's not the case. I was not molested by hillbillies near any kind of a moonshine still. That's just something she says to tease me. She is definitely the Agent Scully to me being Mulder. So I get on my bike, Goonie style, Stranger Things style, and ride my happy ass up to the top of that hill, which had a dirt path um, for a local paper company coming in and tearing out timber to make paper. So they cleared a nice path for me to get all the way up there as fast as I could. And this was at a steep incline, and I had never pedaled that fast in my entire life. My legs felt like jelly. Um, I got to where the pods were at this point stuck in the ground, and they were the size of... 
like coffins maybe. Um, a bit smaller than an outhouse. If anyone's familiar with what an outhouse looks like, a porta potty, kind of like a porta potty, but they were shaped like triangles as well, but not like a rigid triangle. They had smooth surfaces on the edge, and it wasn't just the three points of a triangle. It was like the shape of what a triangle should have been, but they didn't form the edges on it, and they were. Black and glistening, very, very shiny. All the light source in the area was just bouncing off these things. And they were open as if something had come out of them, but there were three of them. And I get close enough to where I crouch down and I'm just waiting and watching. And I see movement in front of me, but not just regular walking around or standing. It, it was these three beings were floating to the left, to the right around each other, almost like a dance routine. They were super fast, and they were moving as quickly as what you see in some of the newer horror movies where when a really dark spirit or a demon is in movement, they kind of defy the laws of known physics and move from nanosecond to nanosecond, not in a regular form, just quick shutter style, moving around quickly. And I, I couldn't focus on these things. I, I couldn't make out features. They had these strange auras about them, almost as if they were giving off energy or some kind of light source of their own. But I couldn't tell if they were clothed. I couldn't tell if they had eyes or a mouth. They were just these celestial-looking beings moving around and gathering items from the environment, like soil or a rock, or some of them went up to a tree and put their hand on it and they removed their hand, and the bark was gone in that one spot, almost as if they were gathering these things to study or maybe to use to create their own earth like our ours, bringing in minerals and whatnot to rejuvenate their dying planet. That's how I took it. One of them gets a little too close to me when I'm crouched down hiding behind the, the thick brush. And as they get close, I start to get extremely lightheaded. Uh, almost what you read about when people are exposed to high levels of radiation. Fatigue sets in, your legs go out from under you, you feel like you can't catch your breath, and then you just black out. And that's exactly what happened to me. This thing approached me, and I could feel it looking at me, and it reached its, what I believe to be an arm, out to me, and I just went black, completely passed out. And woke up, and it was dark at this point, about an hour had passed. Now, my parents assumed that I had finished mowing and just took a bike ride down the road to a neighbor friend's house to play video games or watch a movie or something because that was something that I had discussed earlier in the day that I planned to do when I was finished mowing. So they weren't too worried. But what's bizarre is when I passed out, I woke up in my backyard with my bike propped up next to me, lying facing up to the sky next to the mower that I left. And my bike, I would have to go around the other side of the garage and walk through the one-man door to get my bike out of the garage to then ride it up. So for years, I questioned my own sanity in this thing. Did I dream at all? Did I just have a hallucination from heat exhaustion? And... 
I would have gone with that if my bike had not been properly propped up next to where I was lying down and the mower itself was still in the same place. So I obviously had ridden my bike down the road up that dirt path because the dirt was still in the bike wheels, the same dirt that should have come off when riding on the grass if I had ridden through the grass. It was fresh soil on the tire itself. And the bottoms of my shoes had the same powdery soil that is up on that hillside. Uh, for years, the, this encounter has has plagued me, has haunted me, and I've wanted to write about it for so long, but I wasn't sure how the public would take it. I wasn't sure if I would be labeled as a lunatic, but in this day and age where closeted UFOologists are people who just have a fascination with UFOs, it's becoming more and more acceptable and people are understanding and listening. I feel safe enough to talk about it now, which is why I put it out here on my podcast. And hopefully it would encourage my listeners to share their stories with the strange, the unusual, and UFO encounters of their own. Whether or not it's related to the movies we watch, the TV shows we watch, or if you think it's just a reaction to heat exhaustion or sleep deprivation or maybe a bad medication the doctor put you on. It's important to share these stories and not keep them locked up because it can really cause you to question your own sanity and how those around you truly feel about the fascination you have and, and things such as these. Now, I mean, UFOs could change human history, but for now, we aren't giving them much thought. They're just floating around unexplained and unidentified. We have a lot of work to do, but mention them in conversation, and they're likely to lead to nervous humor, like my wife saying that I was anally probed by a bunch of drunken, moonshining redneck rapists who molested me. That was not the case. Now, that, that's all fun and, and in jest. I can laugh and, and say, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, it was Deliverance, Alabama. But mention them in conversation, they're likely lead to lead to nervous humor or do most things unfamiliar and out of our control. The pilots may be laughing because they have the comfort of peers who are seeing the same thing. But most wouldn't be laughing if they were alone. We know that life is fragile and that it continues at the mercy of a universe on a little planet orbiting around a star that will eventually flame out. The odds of these supersonic ovals in our midst turning out to be a net plus for humanity are low. Worrying about Donald Trump is almost reassuringly small by comparison, but at least we're trusting our military personnel to see what's in front of them. As Colonel Edwards asks, how could I hope to hold down my command if I didn't believe in what I saw and shot at it? I'm not recommending we shoot at these things either. That could start an interstellar war that uh, we certainly cannot afford based on the fact that we're constantly fighting with ourselves. Thank you. I appreciate your time. And you'll hear me next week on a new episode of Paranormally Speaking. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Good evening. I am Neil Parks, award-winning author. I am going to read to you a story from my second book, Haunted Chillicothe. The story is about Elizabeth's grave. The legend of Elizabeth's grave 
has played a major part in the mystery and whispers of legend and lore in this area for many generations. The stories that come from there are terrifying. The rumors are similar from person to person, and the history holds no real validity. So many accounts have been relayed to me through the years, and I approach each case with an open mind and a sense of skepticism. The area in which these hauntings take place is a wildlife reserve off Egypt Pike Road. There is a long dirt road that will lead you to where an old cemetery rests to your left. This location has been vandalized time and time again by local hooligans, which has left a majority of the tombstones in disarray and not placed where they should be. This is an area which is said by many to have been sacred ground among the Native Americans that used to live there. One of the many stories that I have been told pertains to a group of teens that attempted to spend the night in the old graveyard. Their account stated that they were sitting in lawn chairs, and a cool breeze blew through the area. A frightening calm hovered over them, and within a few seconds, the sound of growling and the gnashing of teeth, and the vibration of what sounded like hundreds of feet stomping through the woods, was headed in their direction. Without so much as a second thought, the teens grabbed their gear, left the chairs, and fled from the campsite completely consumed with fear. In the taillights of their vehicle, they claimed to have seen huge red glowing eyes. There are many people who have claimed that they arrived at the site and shut off their vehicles. They will not start up again after that. Some people have reported seeing red glowing eyes protruding through the woods, lurking in the field or peering from behind the car or the tree where Elizabeth supposedly hanged until she died. I had an unfortunate experience many years ago while I was following up on a UFO sighting in that area. I was walking around the old cemetery location and had the beam of my flashlight panning across the heavily wooded backdrop. This is the area where dozens of tombstones lie scattered about. The sight of total disrespect for the dead saddened me, and what happened next took the breath from my very lungs. The beam of my flashlight exposed what appeared to be a Bigfoot creature. I took three huge steps back before I was able to breathe again. I almost ran back to my vehicle before realizing that this was only a man-made beast. In the darkness of night, along an overgrown tree line, the fake Bigfoot looked very real. It turns out that one of the local high schools does this every year as a prank. There are still so many unanswered questions, different versions of the story, and hundreds of people reporting weird phenomenon in this area that I had to launch a full-scale investigation into the legend of Elizabeth's grave. On October 21st, 2006, while I was taking part in a paranormal investigation with the South Central Ohio Paranormal Society, we attempted to shed some light on the history and folklore that surrounds the area within Elizabeth's grave. There are so many stories that have been floating around this area. The stories pertain to her grave and the mystery behind who Elizabeth was, where she came from, where she went, and what exactly happened to her. Upon our arrival, we ran into a young couple at the site seeking the same answers. 
They were from this area, however, they had only stopped by once before. They had actually made this night their second encounter in search of this mysterious grave. Their names were Andrew and Victoria. They were there the night before as well. The first time, they were joined by two of Victoria's friends. Their story was indeed strange. According to Victoria, a possible residual apparition of Elizabeth herself touched her. She said, While I was walking to the right side of my group, I was at a distance of no more than two people away from them. My group just happened to be at my left when I felt something grab me and pull me further from my friends. I froze for a moment so I could gather myself. I realized that the only other people in the area other than me were my friends to the left, Victoria stated. She continued, I was motionless and still. It was only a few moments before I actually brought up the experience to the others in my group. When they were made aware of this, they bore witness to a phenomenon unlike anything they would have ever imagined. Andrew added, Everything around us grew quiet except the sounds of the tree limbs snapping and a silent whisper coming from that old oak tree to the right. It sits next to the natural path by the cemetery. Andrew explained to us how they were made aware of this supernatural hotspot. They discovered this location through a website that goes by ForgottenOhio.com. This site seems to be a popular resource for local Scoobies. Andrew also informed us of some excellent haunted hotspots in and around the Dayton, Ohio area. His information and their accounts were most helpful. The stories and legends surrounding the mystery of Elizabeth were similar through their statements and understanding pertaining to their experience. The legend, according to what they've heard or read, revolves around the idea that Elizabeth was a witch, frightened local zealots murdered her, and she allegedly haunts the woods in and around the cemetery. She is supposedly buried to the right of the oak tree that she was hung from. However, there are no written records pertaining to her living as a witch or dying as a result of witchcraft. There is a headstone bearing the name Elizabeth that rests in the basement of the archives building in the historical downtown district in Chillicothe, Ohio. It remains there in order to protect that piece from vandals. It is believed to be the real headstone for the actual Elizabeth. Elizabeth and her mother were said to have fled from Salem, Massachusetts in 1692 for the crimes of witchcraft. Elizabeth was supposed to have been 20 at the time of her death in 1712. Elizabeth, only an infant at the time when her and her mother fled from Salem. They were said to be seeking refuge as far from the madness as possible. The two of them took a path in the area that went through what would later be known as the Erie Canal. Elizabeth and her mother found a vacant house in the woods, no more than 300 feet from where the cemetery now rests. Elizabeth's mother was said to have befriended a local farmer. The farmer's first wife died in childbirth. The farmer took Elizabeth's mother as his wife after a long courtship. Elizabeth's mother never told her new husband about her supernatural abilities or where she came from. However, as Elizabeth grew into a young woman, 
it became evident to everyone in the area that both Elizabeth and her mother possessed special abilities. The discovery led to their death by the hands of paranoid, angry people. With torches and pitchforks, the locals headed to the house that Elizabeth's mother made into a home for them. Later that evening, we finished our investigation by speaking briefly with another group of spooky enthusiasts. They were also looking for the same answers. This group traveled well over an hour to visit this spot, and they too found out about it through the same website. In the end, our research showed while we were in the far left side of this area, we noticed that there were several dozen broken headstones and grave markers. One of these headstones displayed the name Elizabeth. It showed the date of death being 1932. We noticed heavy drops and energy from the readings on our electromagnetic pulse meters. The further we got from the area, the more severe the jump in the electromagnetic energy. The meter stayed calm for the most part. However, there were significant drops in magnetic energy while we were standing near the oak tree with Andrea and Andrew and Victoria. After almost an hour of calm silence, the wind started to pick up and a phantom aroma filled the air around us. It smelled like a strawberry perfume mixed with the smell of rust. While this was plaguing us, my attention was quickly switched. One of my team members stated that they had a feeling of a little hand with a gentle grip clasping onto their left hand. Their hands smelled like strawberries for the rest of the evening. This was, without a doubt, more than we bargained for. At that exact moment, our meter dropped by a few points, and after the wind died down, it quickly rose up again. What a night! We not only encountered the unexplained, but we encountered others who were looking for the same answers. We walked away from the investigation only to realize that the case of Elizabeth's grave and the enigmatic mysteries that surround it are definitely still open. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Radio, welcome back to the program. It's Jason and JV. Phone number is 844-687-7669 if you want to join our discussion. Our guest this hour of the program is Neil Parks. Neil's a paranormal researcher and investigator and an author. He's written several books. And uh, Neil, the books, uh, the most recent book is Haunted Enough, Terrifying Tales to Tell Your Friends. Um, most of your books uh, are collections of stories that you've gathered from various sources um, to share with folks. Uh, are they all paranormal? Or are they legends? What, what do the uh, stories make up? Well, the first three books I've written, the first one is Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that one is a, a little bit of the stories my grandmother related to me, as well as a couple from a few aunts and uncles along the way. 
uh, a few people that have passed away, unfortunately. They are dedicated, uh, the book is dedicated to them and their memory. Uh, other stories in it are experiences of my own and uh, some investigations that I've been on that turned out not to be so paranormal and uh, had a funny twist at the end. So I had a little fun with that book just to see how it would go. Uh, you know, sort of dipping my uh, my toe in the water of literary literary world to see if people would take me seriously as an author. And the second book, Haunted Chillicothe, is all about Chillicothe, Ohio, where I live. It's Ohio's first capital and is actually one of the most um, haunted locations in South Central Ohio. Uh, the book has done very well locally, and believe it or not, a lot of people that have heard of me have ordered that book as well, uh, along with my more uh, nationally known books, and have enjoyed reading it as well. Uh, the third book is Haunted Holidays, uh, which is a collection of short stories of strange and unusual paranormal happenings between Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And I tied in a lot of um, legend and myth into that, as well as more stories geared towards spirituality and miracles, uh, sort of like blessings from angels and whatnot. And the most recent book that I've released, uh, which is Haunted Enough, uh, you'll notice there's a question mark at that title at the end of it. Uh, that was basically just a, uh, realizing that this is not my final book, Haunted Enough, question mark. Uh, there will be something following that, of course, but my current book I'm working on is an actual novel, not a compilation of short stories. It's going to be a full-on chapter-by-chapter story um, written from just my mind and trying to tie in things from each book that I've written already as well as things that I've yet to write into an actual story setting and a group of characters. Now, do you also go back and research some old, well-known haunted-type cases and uh, see if you're able to figure out what truly happened in those locations as well, or is it just mainly things you know, that in your area and, and stuff of that nature? Uh, you mean basically tackling a cold case myself to see if I can put an end to it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, something like that I've not really tackled much of um, other than just taking stories and stories and legends from people like the Carnegie Library in Washington Courthouse. It's supposed to be a haunted library. And people that have worked there or people that have been there have relayed stories to me, and I basically came to um, an inconclusive conclusion in the end. I really couldn't put an end to it. It's just it's going to be a legend as long as that building stands. Uh, digging up any kind of uh, I guess, an attempt from another researcher or group where they could not come up with a conclusion. I've not really done any more or any better than anyone else in that avenue. Okay. So with all, with all the investigations and research and everything else you've done, what's the most unusual or the weirdest encounter that you've ever experienced? Oh, goodness. One of the weirdest would have to be a uh, an area in South... East Ohio. Um, it's near Salt Fork Lake. The, it was a group of guys that were um, 
setting up trail cams in the area and something kept getting past their property line and getting into their chickens and into a few of their smaller um, livestock animals. And they came to me because of a mutual friend we had and they knew the type of research that I did and the stuff that I was posting on the internet before I had ever written a book. Uh, people had been, a few select people had been following me online and they caught wind of me. Then they reached out to this mutual friend of ours who then contacted me and said they really wanted to talk to me about figuring out what is attacking their livestock because they set up trail cams and they want to set up a security system around their house that would allow lights to come on and the cameras to engage due to motion. And they bought this whole pack from Radio Shack. Now, granted, this was like the early 2000s. So that type of technology was relatively archaic compared to what we have now. But back then, you did you felt as if it wasn't going to get any better anytime soon. So they had this whole pack from Radio Shack. I set it up for them. Motion sensors, uh, the lights would come on when someone was in the area that they had these marked and set up and the cameras were set up for night vision and uh, we basically waited. So in the end, the conclusion that I came to, it was coyotes that were getting in and doing this and the trail cams would show something big and hairy run past it to the right or to the left and that's all you saw on the trail cam was something big and hairy. But then when uh, you had the surveillance footage picking out these coyotes in action, tearing these chickens apart, I'm like, well, gentlemen, what you have here is a group of coyotes that are coming in and doing this damage. You know, there's no Sasquatch here doing this. There's no werewolf. I'm sorry. I don't uh, have here what you're looking for. So a couple of days go by, and I am... Um, getting ready for bed late one night. I get a phone call from the mutual friend and he says, you're not going to believe what was on the news down there. I said, what? The guys that we know, they went to the local media and said that you had video footage of a werewolf. So what they did was they turned around and tried to put a sensationalism spin on this and they provided the footage of the big hairy creature running back and forth past the trail cam but nothing really beyond that, nothing that we had from the actual footage of the coyotes in action tearing the chickens apart. So I contacted the media after we found out about this story and got my my own eyes on the uh, news segment that was on showing these guys talking about the werewolf creature they have in their backyard and that everyone should be on alert. Your children could be in danger. Your pets could be devoured. Uh, it was insane. So... I contacted the news, told them exactly what it was that was there, that I had the video footage of the coyotes in action, tearing the chickens apart, that no one in that area is in danger. These guys are just making that up for attention. And they had to retract the story, and these guys were like branded scam artists and so forth. And I got a phone call from the main guy that was living on that property. He was the one they called Ah. And he said, if we ever catch you in this area again, we're going to make sure no one ever finds you. So mm-hmm. I'm very selective about what I investigate now because of that. Well, and do you find that in most cases that you're able to debunk or figure out what's truly going on? It has nothing to do with the paranormal? I've been lucky in that aspect. Uh, there have been quite a few cases I've cracked 
where it's not anything more than just um, issues with vehicles driving by and reflecting off something in the house that casts what looks like a translucent light bouncing across the wall or interference with baby monitors. There's a lot of simple explanations to certain things when people get hypersensitive about it. And that's the thing. You do find that a lot of people, a lot of people are, they're not trying to be mischievous. They're, they just misunderstand what's, what's going on and you're able to help them out. But you do get those who try to be a little sneaky about it or who are living in hopes that the place is truly haunted or something really is going on. I mean, we've, we've even had guys, a guy build a speaker inside a wall trying to prove his house was haunted because he wanted to be on a show. So you do, you do get that and you need to look out for that. And, uh, you know, you see, you get the people who are attention seekers, but most of the time it's people just misunderstanding, correct? Uh, correct. Uh, there was one case, uh, I'll make this short, one case where I proved that something was a haunted pertaining to this woman's house. She had been saying for years it was, and she even had um, TV shows like the show Sightings, something similar to that. That was interested in doing a walkthrough in her house and have a, a professional psychic there to communicate with whatever she said was there. Well, I did. She was at one time living here in my hometown, and I did a walkthrough. I went through with my small group, uh, checked everything out. I had a historian with me, uh, a few other people that were experts in the field that were not directly affiliated with my group, and there was absolutely nothing in this house. There were things she had set up to make it look and feel and sound as if something was going on. Uh, like she would talk about phantom odors all the time. And she had stuff set up in the uh, vent ducts to blast that during certain parts of the walkthrough, that aroma. And I pulled the vent, uh, the, uh, the vent off the side of the wall and found these little potpourri sashes and stuff set up there. And she was humiliated and angry and then went to um, Amazon and completely blasted my book, Haunted Chillicothe and Haunted Holidays, as a means of revenge. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Thanks so much for hanging out with me this long. This was a full hour show, probably shy of about four minutes. I hope you had a great time and uh, heard something interesting, maybe something about me or from me you never knew before. Join me next week, and I'll be happy to share some more weird information, current events, things you've never thought or heard of, and with a deep insight from myself. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to me and for following me on YouTube and on this podcast format. Thank you.